Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and today we have a special guest, Jonathan Dinwood. Jonathan has two podcasts. One of them is called WP Tonic. The other one is called MailRight, which is for, for the real estate industry. And there's he also has a SaaS or software as a service product called MailRight that serves the real estate industry and does particular things in that niche. I wanted to get Jonathan on the show and talk to him kind of in the trenches as a WordPress person, as somebody who's building a SaaS product and an online business. And we're going to unpack some lessons learned and just kind of share some experiences that we've come across as people who have been in the trenches with online business for a while. And also through our podcast platforms, had the pleasure and honor to interview so many different people, which gives us even more perspective than our own uh, personal experience. But first, Jonathan, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. It's a pleasure coming on your podcast. I listen to it regularly and I've learned many things from it, Chris. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Well, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, uh, kind of where you came from, and then we're going to kind of get into your story a little, little more detail. Well, a bit of a veteran of um, the online industry. Um, basically, I got into it as a hobby um, in the late... 90s actually when we we had modems you know <laughs> i still love that sound really um and i had a successful retail business which i started in my early 20s um that was actually in dry cleaning and they had expanded to a major production unit with four satellite units and that kept me busy but i i just got kind of um always been a little bit artistic um, with drawing and that. And then, um, and also I loved my gadgets, my technology. So when the internet came um, alive, um, it was the combination of various factors that really appealed to me. And um, I decided to, as a mature student to do a um, university course I would be the only person in my family. And I decided to do that full-time plus run my business. And you, you're going to get a thread here, folks, that uh, I tend to take on multiple things. Um, and um, in, in England, the university courses, if you do them full-time, are about three years in length. And it was very close. Um, at the time, there was only two universities in the, in the London or the surrounding areas that were doing courses around multimedia, as they called it. And funny enough, the one university was my local university that was only one mile away from my main business. So I trotted down and um, saw the course director and um, they accepted me. But um, it they were still producing CD-ROMs using a product called Director for Multimedia. I don't know if you ever heard of it, Chris. Or Maybe. I remember CD-ROMs, but I don't remember Director. No, he's a puppy compared to me. Uh, um, <laughs> so um, it was CD-ROM production through Director or Visual Basic. And then they threw in some um, 3D courses as well on sound courses and anything else that the that the um the tutors were into so it was, it was a bit of a mixture um and then the web um really started getting big during those three years so they really they really threw out most of the established courses and put in more web courses in it and that's where i kind of um developed my interest in all this and as when i um after i passed that and got my degree i did some part-time freelances as a flash action script developer actually chris uh, and uh, all my confessions are coming out now chris <laughs> that i actually produce stuff in flash but um i really enjoyed that until and i was running my other business and then you had the dot-com crash 
and all the flash work just disappeared, Chris. Just disappeared. Wow. And and so bring us to today. Like it, now where you became a really, a, you're a self-admitted WordPress junkie. Uh, you're, you're really into to working in the real estate niche. Tell us like what your projects that you, you said you can never do just one. So what, what are you juggling today? Well, I should just do one, but, <laughs> um, uh, but I, I don't think I'm the only one. I was listening to the Matt report and Matt a bit, so he, um, he's got various things going. So I'm not, and I think you might be the same. I'm not sure, but, um, well, Harry Hammond was, I married an American lady and uh, we lived in England for a while and then she said she just had enough of it. She loved, loved Britain, but she said she couldn't tolerate the weather anymore. And um, it was a big decision, but I, I agreed that we should move to America and I've ended up in northern Nevada of all places. Um and then I got into, um, I took a year off because I was a little bit burnt out. Um, and I just wanted to take a, and become a ski bum for a year, basically. And then I got, then I was looking at the next thing and I, I really got into WordPress. This was WordPress 2.8. I think it was just before the menu system got integrated from WooCommerce. And I think that was, um, 3.0, I think. Um, and that's when I got into it. It was still seen as a very much a blogging platform. And this this was before custom posts. And it basically, it was very restrictive compared to some other um, CRMs. Um, I also, in England, before I moved, I had done... Um, not only um, flash work, I was recently involved in the um, expression engine community. Um, if people listening to this, um, it's still going, um, still owned by Alice Labs, and it's still um, a, a smallish community, nothing like the size of the WordPress community, but it was really quite popular in Britain at the time. Um, so um, I was doing some expression engine work when I moved to America and then I got on to WordPress and um, as soon as 3.0 came along and they sorted out the menu and also custom posts, I, I kind of really um, could see that this was probably, and with their plug-in um, the amount of plugins and just how much more easy it was to teach people how to use it compared <coughs> to like let's say Drupal or Joomla I could see that it probably was going to be uh, a major player in the CRM market so I decided to really delve into that Chris. So when did you make the jump from you know working with Word WordPress and building projects or maybe charging for clients and things to building a podcast around the WordPress topic? Well, it, it was really like most things. You kind of, um, what happened was um, obviously for a couple of years I was doing okay, then the recession hit. And it was really quite vicious in northern Nevada. And a lot of my customer base um, was local and a lot of it went bust. <laughs> Was this uh, were these freelance small business clients that you were building WordPress websites for, or what? What's the customer base? Um, a lot of that, also a lot, a couple medium clients um, that we had to be on retainers. Uh, they went under as well. It was a bit of a bloodbath in Northern Nevada when it came to business. Um, it was at when I, the first couple of years um, when I moved, um, it was booming. There were construct, construction everywhere, Chris. Um, it was practically impossible to get yourself booked into any kind of restaurant at almost any day of the week. Wow. There were so many people um, in the construction industry building things in northern Nevada. And then it in a six-month period, it practically all disappeared. And um, so um, luckily, you know, I had money in the bank and uh, 
but also my customers supply. So I thought I need to get more clients and more exposure outside of Northern Nevada, how to do that. And I met um, my first co-host of WP Tonic, Bill Conrad, and um, he was big into podcasting and he said, why don't you do a podcast and uh, I'll be your co-host? And I thought, you know, this must be because, you know, I'd been thinking about it for over six, seven months, but I just couldn't be bothered to do that. Like most things, isn't it, Chris? It's that first step, isn't it? Right. And here you are. I'm on uh, WP, the WP Tonic website right now, and uh, I'm just going to get your current uh, I think it's podcast number. 184, is it? 185. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so here you are. How long ago was that from this recording? Did you start the podcast? I think I think that must have been about um we're now on to almost three years now. Three it's really similar to Matt of the Matt report. Um and it it's been a real um education, it's been a uh, real eye opener doing the podcast. I, I practically know everybody in the WordPress community now. Um and um, I'm blessed with a fantastic co-host, um, another great co-host, um, John Locke, who came on board, I think, uh, eight, nine months ago. And um, with his help, we've built the audience to um, a very low... Well, um, the past two to three months, we've doubled our audience. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Well, well, let's let's park it right here for a little bit on podcasting. Uh, one of the questions that I get asked all the time from course creators and, and digital entrepreneurs is how, you know, what kind of marketing works, you know, and I always tell them three things. There's, there's inbound to outbound relationship. Inbound is content marketing. Outbound is actually prospecting and going places, events, sending cold emails, calls, all that stuff. And then there's relationships. For me, uh, I said, podcasting has been a huge content creation machine and also relationship building um vehicle but like what's it what have what have you discovered in your journey with now two podcasts wp tonic and the mail right podcast well i do agree with you i think the power of podcasting is that um i was kind of brought up on um the BBC, I was brought up on uh, Radio 4, Radio 3. won't mean a lot to your US listeners, but anybody based in the UK would understand that. It's like uh, NPR in the US, right? Yeah, yeah. Public radio. Yeah. Um, So I was kind of brought up um, on that, really. And um, I I think the power of podcasting is that there's something very personal about it. And people be, if they listen to your podcast and become red, regular listeners, they become very loyal supporters and listeners to the show. And, um, I think that kind of building relationship is powerful. Um, much more than other mediums. Um, I think the other thing is you've got to realize is, um, my interests are really guided by the necessities of the business. And at the present moment, I've become, there's two areas that I've become um, obsessed about. And that's SEO, search engine optimization and out, outbound marketing. And the other one is Facebook. They, um, they are the two areas over the past year um that i've totally engrossed myself in okay and i i think um if you're selling any kind of online service or marketing a um a course um a membership website uh, a e-commerce product it doesn't really matter what it is if you really don't have a, f- a fundamental understanding of SEO and a fundamental understanding of Facebook, uh, I really think you, you're going to find things difficult. Absolutely. And I mean, just on the podcasting note, 
one of the reasons I, first of all, I just love it and I love the relationships, but it's so powerful for SEO because first of all, for me anyways, it's easier to talk and have a conversation with somebody like yourself. This becomes, um, you know, a blog, a blog post that gets also syndicated through iTunes and other places. We also, I have a, I use a service called Rev to get the audio transcribed. So when the podcast is published, every single word we're saying here becomes a keyword phrase that, you know, gets indexed. And, you know, people, when people are Googling for, you know, how to, how to grow an online course business with podcasting, that keyword phrase is just right there in the text. And now they're going to find this interview. Uh, it's not, it's, it's mostly about in my view, the long tail keyword phrases that are really niche focused. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you're in the WordPress community and, you know, custom post types and the menus and the different versions and all this stuff. There's all this terminology that people are trying to figure out. And, um, podcasting is just a way to crank out that, uh, SEO stuff, especially if you just do a, one little thing, which makes it easier for SEO stuff to be indexed by having a transcript. Um, but what, what are, what are some of your tips and tricks on SEO? Well, you really got to think about it because you did the smart thing in a way, really, because your podcast is very much, um, aimed at your SaaS project product is aimed at, when I um, I decided to go at the time, I was a, a traditional, um, regional, mostly WordPress, but I would also delve in some other CRMs if WordPress wasn't suitable. I, I've moved that on to becoming um, a totally WordPress-based um, um, and moving away from the traditional agency model to some degree to a maintenance security company um, aimed at small to medium professional businesses. Um, that's the focus on the commercial side of WP Tonic, and the podcast is about the general community. So in SEO, SEO terms, the spread of terms are much more broader then what would naturally be produced because your show is a, really around the topic where your SaaS product is also focused on. So mine, it, the podcast became was developed before I decided to move down that Pacific WordPress channel. So I've been trying to match up and trying to teach um, Google what areas that I want it to see and what areas I don't. So internal link structure. And the problem with SEO is everybody thinks that there's tricks, but but the success in SEO really, um, Chris, is methodical method. Um, having a checklist for your posts and making all the images are tagged correctly making yeah. sure that you've got a certain level of links, internal links to other pages, um, pruning, as I call it, actually doing a, a three-month to six-month audit and either removing pages that are not getting traffic or redirecting them um, so they're redirected to pages that are getting a certain level of traffic. Um look doing that basically um not just writing a post just for the sake of writing it actually look um there's a number of tools the, the one i use is seo rush um is actually looking at the competitors and if i've got an idea for a post um what what phrases what terms are getting enough volume to make it worthwhile because i'm a great believer in um uh, of a guy called brian dean i don't know if you heard of him is he uh, the um backlinko yes yes yeah yeah there's a there's a there's a few like people i really listen to on seo i, I like him I, i've also learned a lot from rebecca gill Yes, Rebecca Gill, she's been on the show. She, um, I'm actually um, a plug for, um, I'm actually, um, she's doing a virtual 
conference next week and i'm actually joining that actually um as a, a participant um because um i've learned a lot from rebecca and i do agree with her philosophy on that but back to brian dean brian dean um, a lot of people say it's, you know, if you publish good content and you publish enough of it, you will get um, traffic. And I just, just totally disagree with that. I, I think that's that's the road to madness, basically. I think what you've got to do is do some pre-investigation and then you've got to write something that's better than the competition. And then you um, you go back to it periodically to update it and you improve it. And then you've got to market that content vigorously. You know, you've got to do um, outreach through email, telephone, and you've got to tell um, that's part of your research. Um, people that have, have utilised similar content before and then tell them about your your better content. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Brian Dean is at backlinko.com. And one of the things I'd learned from him was uh, just a technique he calls called the skyscraper technique, which is pretty much what you're saying, where find the best post on whatever the phrase is and just make something better, make it long, make it in depth, you know, spend a lot of time researching and making sure it's adding value. You know, you can put some content upgrades on there where people opt in to get something else and now you're building your email list. But the first goal is just getting that SEO value and uh, just having a great, I would rather have like one giant post come out in 60 days as opposed to doing like a, a, a 250 or 500 word blog post a day for 60 days. I would much rather have that one really awesome long post. Yeah, this way I see it. Um, I think like most battles, most battles are won really before e the first shot is even fired. Um, the, the battles, you know, to use the military um, anathema, um, are a bit of a contradiction, and I think you can apply it to web businesses. Um, what do I mean by this? Well, most battle plans are useless, you know, um, when the first shot is the actual how the battle will commence goes out the window because there's just too many variables. But on the other hand, making sure, like, if you've got three times more tanks and you've got three times more artillery and you've got a good idea of the tactics of your opposition and you know what, what tactics will appeal to them, and you make sure that you've got overwhelming force to meet, which is pretty obvious what they're going to do, there's a pretty good chance you're going to win, isn't there, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's the contradiction. What I mean is most battles are won before they're even fought. Um, but just blogging for the sake of blogging, just churning up content and hoping that people will find it, unless you're a big name in that Pacific area, it's very unlikely that's going to happen, isn't it? That's true. And I love what you're saying too about checklists. The habits are almost even more important than the strategy where, for example, when we publish a, at Lifter LMS, when we publish a YouTube video, even this podcast episode we're doing right now, it's also a video that's very intentional because we're going to have an SEO optimized title. We're going to actually fill out the YouTube description in the first part. There's going to be a link to our site that's clickable in Google and YouTube. Uh, we're going to use strategically smart uh, tags in the, uh, you know, applying some tags to help tell Google what it's all about and we'll, uh, or YouTube. And then we'll also upload the transcript. All that stuff, that's just part of a checklist. And just yeah. the very fact that we do that I mean, the battle is won before it's even fought. Like you can't, that's, that's what, it's all about the habit. And it's not about, an, it's not about the hustle and the struggle of like, you know, 18 hour days. It's about having a smart check. I would rather, I can hustle and I have had plenty of 18 hour days in my life, but what I'd really prefer are great habits and great checklists. 
<laughs> well, that, that is necessary. You know, you've got to have good content, folks. Um, I also, um, I, for various reasons, are the worst person for this. Um, having a good co-host um, on the WP Tonic, he has helped on that side considerably. But also educating myself over the past eight months in this area has really shown me also... Um, and you've also got to have um, some plan on your website with internal link structure. Um, but that should be part of your pruning exercise. We're, we're going through a major pruning of the WP Tonic website as we talk. And um, we'll be getting rid of a, a lot of the pages that are not getting traffic because they're basically diluting your domain authority. That's the problem with that. And... In the actual, um, you know, obviously WP Curve got um, taken over by GoDaddy, so they're not so active in their content marketing as they were. Obviously, WP Sitecare, um, they have a, a small team that's just dedicated to that. But I'm just looking to improve... Um, the overall traffic numbers to the WP Tonic site and trying to get the Tonic site on page one of certain key terms and then the fight the, the fight's on to actually the the only terrible thing about organic search is that you know it's well known that if you're in the top three you get 70 percent of all traffic and if you're below those three you get about five to maybe three percent of the gravy that's the terrible thing about it isn't it chris definitely well let me ask let me ask you another question just in general you've mentioned having a, a co-host has been helpful but for or and i would say in general like finding partnerships in business is a good thing i, I couldn't do what i do without a strong partnership but uh, in, in terms of podcasting specifically, what is the value of a co-host? Um, and it, it, could you speak to that and also just the power of partnerships in general and business? I think that, uh, um, it's, like, it's like anything, isn't it? You know, a partnership is really like a marriage, you know, and a bad marriage. You know, I'm unfortunately divorced and... Um, going through the experience of a bad marriage isn't a, a fantastic experience, even though I had a large part to do with that. Um, it's very similar to uh, a bad partnership in business, isn't it, Chris? Um, it, it's a terrible experience. But on the other hand, you know, you, you meet a lot of people, they say, oh, I'll never go in. I will never go into partnership with other people. And, um, so I had this bad experience. Well, I just don't agree with that. You know, um, the person I learned is Brian Clark from um, Studio Press when I had him um, on my podcast. And then we also had a couple of discussions. He, he spent a, a little bit of time in private discussing some things with me. And he said, you know, he's, you know, he's great success for Studio Press and other companies were finding great partners um, and <clears throat> learning um, the things you lack, finding a partner that can do the things that you can't do, that enjoys doing them. And um, he said he strongly advised me to look for strong partners. Um, I'm trying to, um, I did, one of the problems with MailRite is that I've tried to do everything myself with that. And I'm actively looking um, to get a partner to help. It's got to the stage where I think it needs a partner to help with that. Um, Let's pick now, up. I just want to pick up your story right here for the listener. Um, MailRite is another podcast you do besides WP Tonic, but yeah. what is the MailRite product or what direction is it? What problems is it trying to solve and who does it serve? Well, I, I think with most real estate agents and bespoke brokerages, boutique brokerages, um, you know, let's be frank about it. It's a commission-based business. 
and most um, the actual facts of the industry are quite brutal actually um, most people when they become um, certified um, registered and do their state exam um, after one year period almost 70 percent of those that enter the industry no longer are practicing real estate agents. And let me just jump in there too and say that I think this is also something that people don't talk about in the online course industry, which is, uh, you know, a lot of people try to start an online course and they try to market it. And, you know, for you hear a lot about the people who made it and had this awesome course, but there's this huge number of people it didn't work out so well for. And that's the problem I like to attack with Lift Your LMS. It's like, how do we help more people find success or set them up for success? But that's what you're doing, right? With, with MailRite. Like, are, are you working on that problem of like a lot of realtors don't make it? Well, you, and the reason why they don't make it is they, they exhaust their friends and family. Um, <laughs> you only have so many of those. Yeah. Um, so you then got a market, you then got to become an actual business. You know, most real estate agents don't realize because they normally come from being employees to yeah. becoming their own boss. There are, are entrepreneurs. I mean, it's entrepreneurship, even if you work at a brokerage. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. the brokerage um, will not really do much when it comes, they expect you as a self-employed real estate agent to market yourself right? They will offer certain advice, um, um, certain products. A lot, um, and I'm not being uh, dismissive here, I'm just telling it as it is, a lot of the brokerage's advice was very, um, the way they built their business 20 uh -huh. years ago is not really a very effective advice on how to build up a successful real estate business in 2017. Yeah, and for those right. people, for those people listening, I'd encourage you to check out uh, in the archives of LMS Cast. We have some podcast episodes specifically for the real estate industry where we talk about um, courses that that people can make if you're a real estate agent or a broker and you're trying to get either seller or buyer leads. And I, I talked about this too when I was on your podcast at at the yeah. Mailrite show. So look it up over on the Mailrite <coughs> podcast. But um, yeah, what worked. The, the world changed dramatically in how people shop for real estate with the, with the growing internet, all the apps, the smartphone. I mean, the whole game has completely changed. It's not gone like travel agents, but it's been dramatically disrupted in the past 10 years. It's changed. Um, I actually do believe um, that there always will be a place for a quality real estate agent. It is the, normally the biggest asset that a private individual holds. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not like a, um, a vacation. I mean, you might be spending two hundred, three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. I mean, there's a place for service there. You know, um, trying to negotiate, you know, when you're talking about one of the most important purchases and trying to negotiate face-to-face -face with the other person in a business-like way that doesn't inject enormous emotion is impossible for most individuals um, and that's why they hire that's why they hire a real estate agent because it, it's aggro it's not going to be easy road um, but the actual finding of property that's where things have changed enormously so what Mailrite does is it offers it offers a suite of um, elements to help the agent it we um, we write five to seven um, professionally written stories. A couple of them, um, they're all kind of person-focused, uplifting, interesting stories, which the agent should send to a... Um, they should be building up their database. And that's the whole point of the first two, three years of a real estate agent, is building up your database. And... That database really needs to be um, broken up into different sections. Those that are active, that you feel are actively looking for property, those in the next year might be moving or looking to buy or sell, and then the 
the biggest of your list are people that are not actively in the market, but you need to touch them every month just to keep your face in front of that audience because they might know somebody that is either buying or selling. But, but sending them dry, um, kind of um, factual, um, what, are, what the market is doing in the next six months isn't appropriate to that audience. So we provide some really short, fun stories that they can choose one and send it. And it has an interface that's really easy to use. And then we have a social media calendar where we actually um, fill that calendar in with content at the first of the month with um, relevant content that would appeal to that would be expected from a real estate agent um, and that's pushed to the um, the agent's Twitter and their Facebook business page and they can add and they can add content to it as well and it has a library system as well that's that's incredible I just want to point out that uh, just the power of niching down like you're really getting niche focused on serving this particular type of customer and how awesome that is because it's really easy to think in that things have already been done like in the online course world for example um you know there's a lot of technology courses like team treehouse lynda.com uh code academy but that's just the early adopters of the market there's so many other things to teach online there's whole industries that haven't even are barely getting started coming online and when it comes to things like marketing and sales yeah, internet marketing has been around for a long time and, you know, autoresponders and building landing pages and opt-in pages and all that stuff. And people like you and me who are like WordPress and marketing technologists, we are the early adopters. But if you take that same set of tools and give it to someone who's non-technical and not planning on becoming technical, it's, it's overkill and it's too complicated and it doesn't work. So they need people like you and MailRite to be to use the same thinking as an internet marketer but give them the best and only essential pieces as a combined software solution to serve them in as frictionless a method as possible i there's just such a big opportunity there that uh the reality is it's not done like all this just because lead pages and mailchimp or infusionsoft or whatever already exists there's still this huge opportunity to, to serve a really specific market like you are. So I commend you for that. Oh, I think you're so right, Chris, and that your audience that obviously comes to listen about courses and how that's the one thing I think they could learn about me waffling on about real estate um, is um, you really to be successful in your course. Um, in your target, you should nicheify as much as possible. Obviously, um, you could overdo it, but in reality, unless it's a very, very, very niche audience, you're still going to be talking in the tens of thousands if you're talking about a global world market, aren't you, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's uh, whatever Kellen Ke- Kevin Kelly wrote about a thousand true fans, you only need a hundred people paying you a thousand dollars a year or a thousand people paying you a hundred dollars a year. And now you have a lifestyle business or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, um, I recently did an interview with somebody who was saying, go four levels deep, you know, like if you don't, don't do like writers or salespeople, like, you know, take it down then take it down again and then take it down again. And then you have a niche market. Yeah, I would probably agree. Obviously, um, there's a lot of variables there depending on the industry. So um, to finish off, we have one final product, which is aimed at helping real estate agents with open houses about actually getting people to give give them their contact details, which then that can go into the monthly newsletter. So we give them a product um, that... um, helps them on a tablet get those um, details into the system much more easier. Um, that's, that's beautiful. I just want to highlight that one point right there. As a technologist we, and marketer, we know the power of building the email list. But so much of the world is not, they're not technologists or internet marketers. So if you can no. help people 
uh, no matter what age or whatever, just the fact that they're non-technical, help them with the best practice, like capturing leads at an open house, which is typically people come to the house and they walk around. There's not necessarily a way to get the email. I love that. You're, you're, you're making it easy for someone to kind of step into like modern marketing. Yeah. Well, the one area that I decided that we weren't going to go down was to turn MailRite into CRM yeah. because there's over half a dozen industry-focused CRMs. Well, what CRM folks is a, it's a customer relation management system. Um, but there was a number – our system will integrate with two to three of the leading ones. And to be quite truthful, though, I have managed to get over 100 users to MailRite, um, but it's been a lot harder because what I didn't take into account, folks, is – my biggest um, competitor was none none of the other, and there's a lot of marketing software products aimed at real estate agents, folks. There is a ton of them, but none of them are my real competitor. Guess what my real competitor is, Chris? Uh, I don't know. Is it is it something from the internet marketing world? No. Um, my biggest competitor is doing nothing. Oh, I see. Yeah, so this comes down to the issue that I like to describe as, uh, it's, it's, I'm not saying this is necessarily the case with you, but you have to offer a solution and not a suggestion. And if somebody feels like it's a suggestion, it's easy to do nothing. And that might be just a communication or a marketing problem or a feature problem or whatever, but what's your take on it? On, on your competition, it's, it's just easier. Um, it's just easier, even though you know that you need to touch base with your clientele more often. You need to keep yourself, you know, up. You know, um, real estate agents, and also most people. We might, and this applies to a lot of businesses. Is um, they get into a lot of freelancers or business owners. They get into what I call the figure of eight problem and that's the figure eight is i'm looking i'm looking for clients i'm looking for clients i'm looking for clients i'm looking uh, i get clients now i've got to do the work got to do the work got to do the work but got no time to market ain't got no time to market then oh, i've got no clients i've got no clients i've got no clients so i've got to got to market now oh i've got, got, got clients now so they're in that perpetual um hamster wheel that figure eight where um and real estate agents are like that so you've got to provide services where um they could spend like a half hour to add some local content but they also know that their facebook page will be updated so it won't look um because the reason why that's important is um most of the people that are going to hire you are sussing you out online about three to six months before they hire you. Yeah. And if you can't market yourself effectively online as a real estate agent, why would they think that you'd be able to market their home effectively? Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's the best marketing advice I've ever heard. I would say show, don't tell. Like it's all, I mean, talk is cheap. Yeah, it's good to have good communication, but showing is always better than telling so we provide programs but i but um that your main question how do you get over because i didn't know my main enemy would be to do nothing would well, I, think, be, I i just want to say i think that's true for a lot of course creators too is they're trying to help people but they're actually bumping up against this exact same issue as like but the people they're trying to help might just do nothing so, well, what, see, so what will you tell them to do? What's your advice or what's your well, experience? You really got, there, there's, there's only two drivers that gets people to overcome. It, it's, it, it's, nobody will be criticized normally for doing nothing. Only when they're close to death and they realize they wasted their life. Right. Right. But most people do not get criticized for doing nothing. They get a lot of criticism. Well, you spent 3000 on a course, you dodo or right. online course or something, or you bought that product. 
then they could so you're de- there's two main drivers and that that's fear and greed um uh, basically um so we're adding some new functionality because most agents want to get leads um and what you classify as a lead we could discuss that for a whole new episode but um we're going to hopefully with our update provide the ability of agent at a reasonable price to get a reasonably good quality lead that any professional should have a chance of turning into a commission check um and we're going to be introducing that because that appeals to the greed element of that thing. But if you can find a product that can help either on the greed side or can help on the fear side, that they are normally two strong drivers to overcome um, what is your real main competitor, which is doing nothing. Very well said. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, appealing to somebody's greed or a, a more another way to say that would be their self-interest yes is, a nicer a nicer way of <laughs> is uh that's good i mean that's not a bad thing to to really no. appear to that appeal to that and um you know i'm not a big believer in like fake scarcity or anything like that but there is a lot of things that uh people i wouldn't i wouldn't say should be fearful about but here's another, let me PC it again, have some concern about. So if we look at, if we look at things like uh, automation, like truck driving, number one job in the the United States, okay, we see self-driving cars and logistics transportation coming. So there is, automation is going to continually, it is an issue for the future and jobs are going to change and what's going to be in demand is going to be creative problem solvings that that is beyond the ability of the computer algorithm or robotics. So there is, I wouldn't say be fearful about that, but have some concern. And if you're going to position yourself or your business or strategically for your family or whatever for the future, um, let's have a healthy dose of concern. And, and when you, whatever your market or your niche is, think about greed, think about self-interest, think about fear, think about concern. And really well, address yeah. those. But I think when it comes to your course listeners, I think they really got to put themselves in the mind of the consumer of the course. And what are the drivers that would drive somebody to pay for your course? And you've got to be very honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Well, Jonathan Denwood, ladies and gentlemen, I want to honor you and thank you for coming on the show and sharing your life experience and you know you mentioned how you were got into multimedia in the early days and we live in a world of abundance you know like as an online course creator or online business builder times are interesting but we have all these powerful tools that have never been you've never had more at your fingertips so not the world may be challenging and complex but there is also a level of abundance here and there's you know, opportunities to, to be had. And um, Jonathan, you sharing your experience helps us see like, you know, how to think about that and how to leverage these tools and, and uh, you know, learn from some of the things that you've done as, as we approach our online businesses. So thank you for coming on the show. Do you have any final thoughts? And also, can you let us know where people can find out more about you? Actually, I was thinking about this and, um, you probably might not agree with this or you might agree with this. I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting off, they want to develop the um, the website, buy your fantastic product if they're looking at buying, uh, building a course and trying to do this themselves. I really would advise them, I don't think it's worth spending the time on that. I think it's better if you... Um, buy Chris's fantastic product, um, but then hire a developer to make your website and integrate it. I would spend the time learning the fundamentals on online marketing, of SEO, of email marketing, of utilizing Facebook paid advertisement, because really dry getting that um, you should be really concentrating on how you're going to get clients 
to your great website um, and get them to sign up for your course. And you really, there's only so many hours in a day. And I think for a reasonable price, it's going to be reasonably easy um, to get a, a decent developer and get that site up and running. Um, but I think at a price, it's not feasible for you to buy an SEO expert or an expert to do all this market. It's just too many hours and it'd be out of your price range. So you, that's where you should be concentrating your time and learning and knowledge. That's awesome. I 100% agree with you. You can't do it all. Business is really just two things, marketing and innovation. The innovation is your course. And then there's all this marketing, the, the LMS software, the online course or the membership site software. That's just a tool to get it done. Yes, it adds value, but the the places where the most value are is in your course itself, the content and the method that you teach. And then also in your marketing strategy for getting that, how are you going to get that out? Especially if you're um, new and relatively unknown. So where can people find you on the interwebs, John? I'm really easy to find. I'm, you know, you just put Jonathan Denwood into Google and you just find me. But um, I'm pretty active on my Twitter feed. That's at Jonathan Denwood. Um, the WP Tonic um, and the WP Mailwright site. But the WP Tonic, um, we have a large group of people and it's got a lot of information um, about WordPress. So that's at www.wp-tonic.com. There is a lot of, um, we like to say, we've recently been doing all day and we were amazed at the amount of pages that are on that website. And if you're in real estate um, uh, plus looking to start your own course, um, do a look at the Mailwright product because um, it's fantastic value and we are going to be updating it in the near future and it's, um, I feel it's going to become a really fantastic, interesting product, Chris. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris.